On this week's show, Direct Athletic Chairman Jim Palmerton why is frustrated at his team's points deduction and fine for failing to fulfil their fixtures. They've seen our books, they've seen our accounts, and yet they're slapping us with a £40,000 fine. So what do they think is going to happen if, if we have to pay that? We're all, we're all automatically, immediately insolvent. Tony Russell lifts the lid on why he's left Cray Wanderers after six years in charge. There's not one bit of me that, that's, that feels good about it. But I also understood deep down that ultimately oh, it probably needed, if it didn't happen now, it would have happened another time. And there's a new man in charge at Bromley. We discuss what Andy Woodman's appointment means for the Lilywhites. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast, brought to you in association with SCSA Sports Management. What a week it has been. So much show that we've brought the show forward this week, not just because we don't have time to do it on Tuesday or Wednesday, but because of a few days last week, which gave us lots more actual news than most of the last three months put together. Two big interviews for you as well this week, so hopefully you will enjoy it. Let's get the formalities over with fairly quickly then. And if you've listened to this before, you will know by now that I am John Phipps, who is genuinely looking forward to seeing other people this week. And on the line, as always, is the man who showed me his angry side on Saturday evening via Twitter. Now, we'll have none of that language for the next hour, please, Matt Gerrard. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Good, mate. I was in, um, yeah, well, you just said you've had a couple of glasses of wine. I had a couple of beers and um, my uh, Danny Dyer came out of me after watching him on the wall. So I thought from that. But yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, it's um, four day week, isn't it? Looking forward to Easter. It's supposed to be really hot the next couple of days and rubbish over that. But at least we can go and see a, a few more people coming up. So yeah, all good. All's good in the world, mate, really. Absolutely. I was going to say, how is the weather in, Broad- in Broadstairs this week? Beautiful walk we've just done, mate, on the beach there with them. Um, with Scalacci, so it's very nice. So uh, we'll look forward to doing that a little bit more. So, um, yeah, hopefully the beach hut is down. Which we can't use it yet, but that's the sign of summer's coming when the beach hut arrives. So what we really need is, and probably for your business, you want six months now of 20, 22 degrees every day, nice and warm, and everybody be laughing. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it's nice in broad sense because it's minus 12 in Dover. Uh, I'm sorry, I could not resist that one. <laughs> I've been planning that one since Friday. That is harsh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. Good, but... that, I, I might utilise that somewhere else. I, I would imagine it in very early uh, commentaries next season. Oh, yes, yes. I'll use that, yeah. I, I think I could do. Yes, it's a beautiful day here, but it's still about it. Yeah, very good. I'll use that, mate. That is, that's why they pay you the big bucks. Yeah, well, you mean nothing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's our 165th episode this week. And according to Wikipedia, that was enough to be mentioned as the number of wins by two Major League Baseball pitchers. Now, I'm not being funny, but they play more than 160 games a season. So how is a total of 165 career wins? Impressive. Uh, perhaps Hody might like to explain that one to us at, at some point. But I can see myself starting to get on, on board a little bit with American football. But baseball just seems like a strange old thing. I mean, they think cricket's weird over there. But seriously? Well, I'd, I'd like to go to... To a baseball game one day, so in America, not at Upton Park or Olympic Stadium or something like that. But, uh, what about the uh, the Dover Dynamos if they launch a, a baseball team playing at Crabble? Well, are you saying that Crabble might not be utilised much more recently then? I'm just saying, you know, cash is short, any, so any, why not? Anybody in my hometown, I'll support them. So, you know, Dover till I die, so to speak. Yeah, well, or, or the, the Broadstairs... Bimbos, you know, it could be a team. Bosses, bosses uh, don't have much sport, actually. Quick no, I, I used to find that when I... When I covered um, when I co- when I was the sports editor of the Thanet Gazette, I, you know, Broad says apart from the cricket team, there there wasn't a lot going on down there. So you know, maybe baseball, maybe you could set up the first baseball team in Broadstairs and lead them to victory. 
I don't know how they play against, but yeah, yeah, we're Broadstairs. It's it's Thanet and Ramsgate seems to dominate the sporting scene here. So Broadstairs doesn't really seem to have too much. Oh, yeah. Wow, that could be my that could be my calling. Well, you've had like a year of lockdown to think about these things, and you're now literally coming up with this idea because I've suggested it on a podcast. Well, I, what I have thought about, Shane, the subject there, because you know, um, have you ever been to Westwood Cross? Several times. Debenhams is gone now. Yep. I was thinking somebody could take this now. Do you know that big building in, De- in uh, Debenhams? They can make it. And you know when you go to these places where they like having indoor food, where you can have darts and music and. There'll be people doing steaks and pizzas and things like yeah. that. Turn that into that. Make it a sort of thing. You can have live music. Perfect opportunity, that. Probably with the rent will probably be so extortion that you won't go there. But I thought, because that, that's such a big building, that's what they should do with Debenham's Westwood Cross. Turn it into one of those quite trendy sort of, bar, you know, people have to bring their own, not bring their own food, but food in a van type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, nice. I've that's always had a. Plan. Yes, that's what I've thought about. I've always had an idea of something to do at like a shopping centre, a bit like Westwood Cross, and this probably would be deemed somewhat sexist, um, and it's probably a non-start for several reasons. But what about a man crash, right? So while the the women go do their shopping, go around all the clothes shops and everything, set up a little shop, get like an Xbox and a PlayStation, and just have lads or, or girls if they're like so minded come in pay like 15 pound an hour or something to just play on the xbox while they're while their other halves are out and i'm sure there'll be women like i'd rather he, he went somewhere else than than meet and follow me around the shops and annoy me good idea mate that could be it so we could actually open up debenhams for that yeah <laughs> full of xboxes yeah debenhams yeah debenhams if, well westwood cross if you are listening can we have it for a Poultry peppercorn rent, and we can turn it around. So, we'll yeah. pay you everything we make from these podcasts. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Deal. De- deal. Westwood Cross. Deal. Yeah. Good. It's it's Sounds it's a, it's it's a interesting deal. Anyway, that's enough idle chit chat. So let's get down to business. When we spoke last Tuesday, uh, we wondered when the National League would make a decision on Dover Athletic, and that decision came on Friday, with the news that the Whites' record for the 2021 season has been expunged. They've been fined £40,000 for failing to fulfil fixtures and will start next season on minus 12 points. Uh, To me, Matt, the expunging is bang on. The fine is harsh. And I reckon that deduction is probably about fair given the circumstances. Uh, We'll hear from Jim Parmenter shortly. But before we do that, what's your initial thoughts on that punishment as a Dover Athletic supporter? Um, I I think the points, we had to be um, punished for something. So... I think 12 points, 12 points needs to be if you go into administration and various things. So I think 12 points is probably spot on. The fine does seem a little bit harsh, £40,000. Um, it's like you stop playing football because you've got no money. So we're going to charge you money for that. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that Dover, you know, in the light, when it goes into the laws, you know, law of this land, they probably have got a very, very good case for doing that saying we won't go into debt but you'll do it from there so um what i will say is that everybody now hates dover if they didn't do before a lot of these clubs saying they should be thrown out relegated never be seen again burn down gravel and stop playing football i've seen both i've seen people saying i've seen a lot of people saying yes they should be thrown out of the league uh, and everything like that. But I've also seen a lot of people saying, well, actually, no, this is ridiculous. Just to fine you £40,000, 
in order to punish you for not fulfilling games because you've got no money. And, and there are a lot of people actually saying, no, let, let's let's be fair. That that doesn't seem to fit the crime. Oh, well, I think what clubs are saying is, why don't they, re- why they should have relegated Dover? Because what's going to happen, which I said before, is there's somebody who's going to miss out on the league title or the playoffs by two points. And in their games, they've beaten Dover. And then they're all going to kick off saying, well, we did do that. We beat Dover. So I can see a lot of clubs want Dover relegated. I think 12 points is fair. I think the fine is pretty harsh. Have Dover got away with it? As in harsh punishment. Uh, sorry, should they have been relegated? That's not for me to fight to say, really. Um, a lot of Dover fans would have taken relegation and go again. But we'll have to wait and see. But... Yeah, Dover, the hatred of Dover from certain clubs, certain bigger clubs in this division, um, is um, going to be um, is quite out there. And I'm sure if they do play start again next season, I go to some of these places, people will be, um, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be in this league sort of thing, I would have thought. So yes. it'll be interesting times ahead. Yeah, so that's the thoughts of Matt. And earlier on today, he spoke to the Dover chairman, Jim Parmenter, uh, to get his views on it all. Now, Jim's done a lot of media over the weekend. And as always, we are very grateful that he's given us some of his time as well. And Matt began by asking him about how the process of the punishment actually worked. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we presented our case. Uh, we, had, um, we had professional advice from a lawyer, from a, from a accountant, and from an insolvency practitioner. And the league accepted that we would have been acted um, been acting unlawfully as directors of a, of a company in our financial circumstances, either to continue trading or to take a loan. Um, and they accepted that as evidence, um, and they, they didn't disagree with that evidence. Um, they also didn't disagree, and it was confirmed by the league, that uh, we were promised grants if the season needed to continue, and that those grants hadn't been forthcoming. So, having accepted we didn't get the grants we were promised, and having accepted our legal and, and um, expert uh, uh, advice was, was valid and correct, they, uh, quote, had to uphold the integrity of the league and find us 40 grand and give us a 12-point suspended deduction, uh, which seems quite bizarre to me, uh, particularly when out of three rules that they could be applying to clubs at the moment, this is the only one they're applying. So they're ignoring the rule that says you can't take loans to... Um, to, to uh, pay your running expenses and they're ignoring the rule that says you can't have, play weekend teams, which some clubs are doing, and while following their higher paid players. So, I mean, I think it's hypocrisy at the, at the extreme. Do you... I, I, think that's, I think integrity, I mean, I think they should go back to the dictionary and look at the word. Do you, do, do you feel let down by other clubs, you know, the, the seven clubs that, who voted to null and void the league, that nobody's come out with you in doing this? Do you feel disappointed and let down by those clubs? Well, every club has to make their own decision. What, what, what are, you know, I mean, I know they agree with what we're doing, or at least a big proportion of them agree with what we're doing. But of course, when they're, when they're scared of, of the sort of bullying that goes on and the sort of draconian measures that football takes and the way it's done, they're, they're basically scared, worse scared, of happening to them what has happened to us. Um, you know, they, they believe it would have been right to stop, but they couldn't or wouldn't because they feared that the damage that the authorities would do to their clubs. So I don't feel let down by them. I, I, I think it's probably a shame they didn't because I think the, um, the situation would be a whole lot better for a lot of people if they had. You mentioned the bullying. Is that coming from other clubs or the league itself? Well, 
think it's bullying. I think I think the league the league are bullying, aren't they? Because they're letting it be known that um, that there is punishment if you if you don't take these loans which are against their rules. Um, you know, and they say it's your right not to take the loan, but the, the, the underlying uh, threat is: well, you better take the loan, otherwise you're going to get these sort of punishments. And you know, as I, as I repeat, it is clearly against their rules to take the loan. I started this season, and I'd have gone to the national league in uh, August or September and said, okay, I'm going to borrow half a million quid or a million quid like some clubs have because I want to have a real good shot at the title and I want to bring players in. They wouldn't let me take a loan. But now because they want to justify the position of continuing the season, suddenly that that, that rule is ignored. And, uh, and that's where the hypocrisy is. Do you, you, you said you you know you cannot pay the forty thousand pound fine and you won't be paying the forty thousand pound fine. Um, are, are you appealing that? Are you appealing the points deduction as well? And can this get worse that they might say, "Oh, we're going to fine you even more," or do you more points as well? Have you accepted the points deduction, or have you accepted neither? I've accepted neither, and the reason for that is because the whole basis of our case was. Look, here is the expert opinion. This is the situation. It's, it's brought about by no fault of our own. It's brought about by the fact that the grants promised weren't available. Okay, the, the rule says without just cause. And in our view, what we presented represented just cause. And they haven't yet explained why they didn't believe it was just cause. They said, well, you've got an advantage over other clubs because you've avoided costs that they've incurred. Well, um, with all due respect, clubs make their own uh, financial decisions. And, and what we've done is avoided going into administration or liquidation and avoided taking a loan, which is against the rules. I don't see how that's worse than uh, taking a large loan, which is against the rules, and it's going to put you in hot for, for years. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, I know certain clubs have looked for a grant from Sport England as well. Has Dover applied for a grant from Sport England? Yeah, we applied for a grant, um, and we were told, no, you uh, and, and, we, you know, I forget the number, but it was several hundred thousand pounds, nearly four hundred thousand pounds. So we applied for a grant, which is what we needed to get us through the, the season. And they said, you can have a loan. You, you can't have a grant. Why, why couldn't they free. say you have a grant? Well, because they said you can, you know, they didn't really give a reason. They just said you can't have a grant. And we presented to them the same financial information that available, was available to the league. And that financial information shows very well that if we'd have carried on either with or without a loan, we would have been trading illegally. And, uh, and, and everybody accepts that, but they still want to punish us. So where does, where does it go from here, really? Again, if, that, if the appeal goes against you and you've got to pay the £40,000 fine, what happens to Dover Athletic? Because I think you mentioned that the club would then be insolvent. Well, of course it would. If they, they, they've seen evidence very clearly that we've got no money in the bank and we're not, we've got no income. And so, um, we, you know, and we've got statutory debt we've got to clear, like um, PAYE and things, which we're, we're slowly clearing. They know that. They've seen our books, they've seen our accounts, and yet they're slapping us with a £40,000 fine. So what do they think is going to happen if, if we have to pay that? We're, all, we're automatically, immediately insolvent because we've got a £40,000 debt that we can't pay. When, when, is, when will the appeal be held? Is it? I know there's been a, the National League has had a bit vote of no confidence is it from a couple of clubs today, and other clubs agree in that. If, is there a time scale for the, the appeals process? Well, the appeals to the FA, um, and, and um, you know, I think that's got a. I don't want to pass aspersions on anybody, but when you consider that the, the, the so-called independent committee that heard our case were two members of the um, FA judicial panel and an ex-FA uh, employee administrator, it's hard to see how 
um, a appeal could be heard by the FA Judicial Panel when they were when they were involved in making the original decision. So um, I, I haven't yet seen the written reasons for the for what they've done to us, and when I see that, we'll uh, we'll be making an appeal to the FA. But as I say, my big concern is whether or not that appeal can ever be fair under the circumstances. And in my view, in these particular circumstances, the, the, the panel should be made up of completely independent people, probably an insolvency practitioner, a lawyer, and an accountant. Uh, you know, that's what it should be. These people, with all due respect to them, are not qualified to judge uh, the, what they've been asked to judge. Have you been in touch with any other clubs, the Southern and the Northern clubs? Because I think they're, they're not willing, I know their fines are a lot less, but they're not willing to pay that. Could there be some sort of joint campaign to get to help you out with those other clubs? I think their situation's different um, because obviously their season's been discontinued and, and you know, they had different reasons for not playing. So, so I think oh, I'm afraid we're going to have to stand on our own and, and, and fight this. Because um, I don't think our situation's the same as the other clubs. Um, but I, I do sympathise with them. Um, you know, how, how can you find somebody for not competing in a fixture in a league which has been discontinued? Uh, it's, uh, it's bizarre. So this could be a process that could run and run for a, a number of months as well, particularly the issues that the National League board itself is likely to suffer from in the next few weeks. Well, I think the two, I think the two situations are separate. I think the National League board is... I think... It, that governance at this level is completely uh, inappropriate for what's required in the modern day. I think they fail, they don't have the capacity to understand and take account of the worldwide pandemic and the effects of it. And I think to encourage their clubs to take uh, huge loans against their own rules and against what they've been preaching for 20 years about financial prudence is, is ill-conceived and irresponsible. Um, so I think that's one side of it, and I think they'll have to answer those uh, questions. The other side of things are particular case, and, uh, and my concern over that is how we get a fair hearing, because um, I don't think we can, because, you know, football is, uh, works in trenches. And, and uh, I, I just, having, having heard, been heard by members of the judicial panel from the FA, I don't see how we can hear appeal that way. And I guess I don't know where, what the legal route will be after that appeal if it's not a satisfactory outcome, but we will certainly be investigating it. But then, of course, we then got to be sure we can get the cost of that appeal back from um, the National League because uh, we, don't, we can't afford a very expensive court case. Uh, devil's advocate here, I don't know if you'll answer this question. If they said, well, we're not going to um, fine you, but we will demote you to the Conference South, would that be acceptable to you? Well, they can't do it. That's the problem. I mean, I think they considered that and decided that was that they could do it. Um, you know, I, I, it, it, you know, it, it's not. A, it, I think the question here is: is what we've done um, just cause, and is it the right thing and the proper thing under the under the rules, the laws of the land? And, and, I, and I believe it was. And and I believe what the FA, uh, sorry, the National League are advocating is against their rules. And in some cases, against the law. I mean, furloughing players on a, on big money and bringing in players on, you know, kids from the academy and players on very low money to do their jobs, I'm pretty sure is against the uh, furlough laws. Um, if it isn't against the letter of the law, it's certainly against the principle. So, so you know, there's a whole range of uh, things here that have to be uh, have to be considered and brought out into the public domain. You mentioned, I think, previously a couple of months or months or so ago that. Anybody who want to invest in the club, you're happy to talk to them. Have you had any contact with any investors? Anybody interested in taking over the club? 
Yeah, there's a couple of people uh, interested, uh, not necessarily taking over the club, but, but getting involved. So, you know, we'll carry on to talk to them. Um, and, you know, in this day and age, a small club like Dover, it's too much for one person to uh, support, and it doesn't need uh, input from others. It's, uh, you know, it's just the way it is now. The, the money now, compared with even three or four years ago, is astronomical. And, and it needs, you know, it needs financing properly. And the last thing it needs is club giving a huge debt. <laughs> Well, final final question as well. Some of the Dover fans will be thinking, you know, will they be starting their season in August? Can you do any preparation for this next season that comes up in at the beginning of August? Well, we're only in uh, we're only at the end of March, aren't we? So you know, a week's a long time for, wasn't it? So <laughs> you know, let's see what let's see what happens over the next uh, six six or eight weeks, and, and we'll, we'll go from there. Well, yeah, you, you have got big decisions to make with managerial people, a lot of players out of contract, but um, that you know, you've still got that in your mind. What you've got to solve that issue as well. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, yeah, all the players are out of contract this year, so we've got a clean slate. Um, you know, in the shape of our. Our team and the shape of our budget uh, will be determined by factors which are not yet known, so I can't really answer that question. Brilliant. I appreciate your time. I'm sure um, you'll be a busy man. So, uh, uh, well, good luck with what goes on. But it's, 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 a, it's a crazy situation, isn't it? It is, Matt. But, uh, you know, uh, I think it, uh, hopefully it's enough to let, let people take a look at what's happening in football administration and, and maybe start to modernise it a bit more. As we said there, Matt, the, the news has divided opinion on social media, uh, with some thinking the punishment's too harsh and others thinking it is too soft. But listening to that interview, and I would challenge anyone to listen to that interview and tell me that there is any doubt that Jim Parminter has done exactly what he believes is the right thing for the future of Dover Athletic. We've said all along that this whole situation, from the second the National League dished out those grants, has been a mess. And what Jim said there, he's not disputing that, is he? No, no, I think it's it has been an absolute mess. And we've seen today that there's a no confidence vote going in. Oliver Ash, I presume, is involved with Maystone signing the piece of paper. So it has been an, an absolute farce from uh, beginning to end. And Dover has, we're nowhere near the end, are we, unfortunately? Well, no, I don't think. yeah, I don't think the appeal process, it could be, I would have thought it will be not till maybe May until the process gets in. And what he said in that was quite interesting that, some members of the FA were on the committee or ex-members of the FA and now they're appealing to the FA. So who's going to actually do the actual appealing? So or from that, and when he said the other clubs are not going to be with them because Dover's situation is a little bit difficult, it could be an interesting one. But it's, it's something that's going to run and run and run and run, maybe until the, to the AGM, what's going to happen from there. But from what we say, Jim is not going to pay that £40,000 because that will be the end of Dover Athletic. So, and people are saying, "Oh, just pay it." But no, I think the principal, Jim, is standing by his principles with his legal team and you know the experts he says in it. And um, the most important thing is that there is a Dover Athletic side next season. Hopefully, looking like it, it could be in the National League, and it will be a tough season. But you have to admire him sticking to his guns because, like other clubs there, and as he said. Pubs have got their own agenda, so he's not critical of other clubs. He, he, you know, he could have carried on with me and you up front, but he decided against doing that. Yeah, um, Matt's just mentioned there about the uh, the vote of no confidence. Um, a letter has been has gone round, signed by Maidstone United and Dorking Wanderers are the main uh, 
people behind this made some of the proposals and dorking on the seconders. Uh, I won't go through the whole letter. Oli Bayless has tweeted it out, but it does say football at our level is in a major crisis at present. Although the terrible COVID pandemic is at the origin of the problems, the management of the crisis by the National League Board has been inadequate from the beginning and is now subject of widespread anger and ridicule. Our National League Club's professional business, which thousands of staff and tens of thousands of supporters depend, we deserve better governance. Today, it's difficult to affect major changes due to the way the pyramid is structured and the way that Football Association nationally work together. So while it's not the perfect solution, we feel that calling an extraordinary general meeting to have a debate on the pastures management is a necessary first step along the road to better governance at our levels. Uh, a list of reasons why they are voting no confidence and they've asked clubs to get back to them by Wednesday lunchtime. Um, it's... Uh, Again, but, I would have thought, John, that will be... A a long process as well, I would have thought, isn't it? There's no confidence in how they're going to do it. And as Jim said at the bottom of his, back of his uh, end of this, uh, his interview there, maybe football administration needs to be looked at at these levels to maybe an overhaul uh, in various things. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Will they vote if they if the confidence no vote in the board and they do go? Will there be independent or will they go back to clubs? It'll be interesting. Interesting times for. the the National League, and they've got to be careful as well because, you know, the mess they're seeing is, I'm, I'm sure the likes of Grimsby, South End are thinking, hang on, we don't want to go into a mess here. And they may be looking at the Football League and saying, hang on, you know, we don't want to move into something that's in such a mess. And could that affect the promotion, John, at some point? Oof, I'm sure. That's a... Teams like Grimsby are thinking, hang on, we're not going into something that's got all sorts of problems. Yeah. I mean, it's always been a thing, hasn't it, where the, uh, I remember many years ago when the National League was harder to be in than the Football League. You know, it literally any financial thing, oh, we'll relegate you. Uh, not got enough seats, we'll relegate you. And, and you know, that they were all, they always used to be uh, tough, I thought, but at least they were consistent. Whereas now they are just, they are, let's face it, a laughing stock, aren't they? Oh, massive, massive laughing stock. And um, again, Oliver Ash got a lot of time for Oliver Ash and he's been pretty much um you know from day one since about this so interesting times ahead I'd love to know what happens in this sort of situation now I really know what what does happen when they have the AGM at the um, end of the season when they have the awards and things like that really intriguing times you'd love to be a fly on the wall in these meetings but oh. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it goes with it. I've got no idea how it's going to go, but interesting times ahead. Yeah, more interesting points from Jim there as well, um, saying that the, the league board need to look up the meaning of integrity. Another one for Peter Gearing there. Uh, the league bullying them over loans and showing hypocrisy, which is a fair point because normally if you, as I said, you know, they always were very, very harsh. And it was a case of, well, if, you, if you're if you in any debt, we're going to relegate you. And now they're saying to clubs, well, take on a loan or else we're going to fine you and, and deduct you points. Uh, I also thought the point that he made about the National League South clubs and North clubs was fantastic. How can you fine clubs for not fulfilling fixtures when the season's been null and void? Could, surely, if that's the case, the, the clubs should be able to say, or they've opened themselves up, that the club's could say well we want to sue you because we could have had this money in from streaming this fixture that you've cancelled that doesn't make any sense at all does it no, no, well the likes of Dulwich eight points absolute farce uh, and, and I you know that again you'd like to think there's common sense um, this is, I'm not talking about the Dover situation now it's common sense with the north and south situation I think Dulwich got fined and seven points suspended 
Yeah, Dulwich, the fines that I've seen, they're not all public at the moment, but Dulwich and Slough and Chippenham have all been fined £8,000. Uh, Bradford Park Avenue, Blythe Spartans at 6000 Farsi Celtic, 6000 was reduced to 4200 because they accepted the charge. Uh, Bath City fined four grand. St- Southport, 2000 plus another 2000 for COVID breaches. Uh, Concord Rangers, 2000 Darlington, 2000 uh, I'm sure the money they made from the FA Trophy will not offset that in the slightest. Uh, Gate said 2000 but theirs was also reduced for accepting the charge ahead of the hearing. And these monies, it, it's ridiculous. These clubs said they wouldn't play the games because they didn't have money. So how is the solution? Well, we're going to make 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 it harder for you to, to have the money. I would actually advocate, and this may be a controversial view, but I think rather than finding those teams, they should all have had the number at the start of that points officially deducted for next season. Rather than, you know, rather than saying to Bradford Park Avenue, you've got to find £6,000, why not? make next season tougher for them by making them start a minus six. You know, I just think that would make more sense than forcing these clubs who are in financial hardship to find money. Six grand's a lot of money, you know. Well, I'm hoping that common sense really comes out of this um, situation. And Dulwich Hamlet, you know, again, will be fighting this to the core. So common sense hasn't gone in and the National League, they really, they come out with a statement. They haven't really yet the why the reasoning. Because on Dover's one, they said Dover would fully agree with you, but there you go, integrity. And and the league, well, I just bemused by that. Especially when the league postponed the league for two weeks, right on, on a Friday, when clubs may have already spent money out on that week. So an absolute farce this is. So and, and I'm get, you know, we keep going on, John, but I don't think I don't think you'll get an answer to this till probably June-ish. I nice. really don't. Um, and Jim Barman says he can't do anything about next till next season until he knows what's happening this season with the money. So, which could affect the forty thousand pounds if Dover are going to carry on, could be mean mean a lot. So, but and it's interesting. He is appealing the points deduction. For me personally, he'll do well to get the points deduction down. Yeah, and I think uh, I think the points deduction actually we we discussed this could work in Dover's favour because I tell you, starting on minus 12, it gives you that determination to uh, to really get yourselves up the league. So, uh, Well, I yeah, think... I think Dover needs to utilise that really heavily and say, right, yeah, you know, the great escape starts now if they're going to be playing football next season and, and try and galvanise that as well. So, um, and yeah, depends. We still don't know, though. You mentioned everybody's out of contract. What, what were they? And also, we've got mentioned investors as well, John. So, Interesting that maybe people want to come in and help him out as well. So interesting times ahead, I think. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on then. So before the Dover punishment news broke, we were expecting this week's show to be the story of the departure of two long-serving managers, uh, both of whom were plying their trade at Hayes Lane in Bromley. We'll discuss the exit of Tony Russell from Cray Wanderers shortly. But first, following the defeat to Sutton United, while we were recording last week's show, uh, Bromley announced they had parted company of manager Neil Smith after five years in charge. Undoubtedly, one of the nicest men in football, Neil has been a great friend of both this show and the radio show and has done a great job with the club, leading them to the FA Trophy final and making them into a fixture in the top half of the National League. Uh, it was announced earlier today, Monday, that Andy Woodman is the new manager of Bromley. But before we delve into that news, uh, Matt, what did you make of the decision to sack Neil Smith? Um, as I said to you before, John, Bromley are a very, very ambitious club. And you see what they do on the streaming and the website and the ground. Very, very professional. And I did mention to you before, 
I felt that Neil Smith could be in danger if he didn't get in the playoffs. You know, last season, they were brilliant when they first 15 or so games, top of the league, and it tailed off a little bit, then it ended. So he was under a little bit of pressure there and didn't start particularly great. I think they've had issues with COVID and stopping there. Um, and they're inconsistent, which we mentioned on the pod there. And I felt that if they didn't get the playoffs or didn't get promoted, he could have been in trouble in the summer. Sacking him now and replacing it with Andy Woodman, we'll move on to that in a minute, seems a bit of a strange decision, really. Um, I felt he would under, I felt Neil Smith would be under pressure. Um, good manager, lovely man. And, you know, the way he handled himself in that, when they lost the FA Trophy final to a penalty shootout when they were 20 seconds away from lifting the trophy in normal time, will live with me because, you know, he still went round shaking everybody's hand and being so kind and he's a, he's a top man. But as he probably knows, football is such a strange game and Bromley, you know, have come a long way in five or six years, the ground, and they've got a very ambitious owner and he wants pro- football league, he wants to get in the football league and maybe didn't think that Neil Smith would add that to take him there, but it'll be a real blow to, to Bromley and I'm sure a lot of clubs will be sniffing around him to, to bring him in. But going on to that, I'm surprised. I thought they'd go for an academy coach, somebody up and coming, which is a sexy way. But Andy Woodman, Palace Links. Um, I'm quite surprised he's got the gig, John, to be honest. Yeah, I thought it was um, an interesting one. I, we'll, we'll discuss that more shortly. But I mean, look, let's look back at the Neil Smith uh, situation first. A statement from uh, the chairman, uh, Robin Stanton Greaves, said that uh, it was a difficult decision. Uh, one that had not been taken lightly and having to continue to review the performances and developments over an extended period of time, believes a change in leadership is required for us to progress further on our journey. Uh, lots of praise for Neil Smith. Neil Smith himself released a statement, unsurprisingly classy, uh, saying he was saddened to be leaving the club. He, he still believed they could have finished in the playoffs, uh, disappointed he couldn't felt, finish what he felt he had started. Uh, a great, unforgettable 10 years at the club, uh, starting as assistant and then helping them into the National League and then establishing themselves so well uh, in the in the National League since they've since they've been there uh, and I'm sure he as you say Matt he will be back um, in the game and, and I'm sure people will be looking at him thinking well yes he, he, he's, he's got to be an option and I'm sure it won't be too long till we hear from him in the meantime Alan Dunn and Roger Johnson took interim charge uh, they lost three points in three places before they'd even taken charge of a game due to the Dover news. And then they were beaten 3-0 at Wrexham on Saturday in what was their only game at the helm. Uh, Andy Woodman has been on the coaching staff at a number of Premier League clubs, most recently Arsenal, who was head of goalkeeping after a playing career, which saw him make more than 400 Football League appearances, most notably at Northampton Town and Oxford United. He's also very good mates with Gareth Southgate. And I've he's some... F- Have you read the book? Have you read I haven't book? read the book, no. I've probably got it, I've probably got it here, actually. Um... Next time I see you in 2026, I'll drop it off to you. So Perfect. Yeah. And uh, his son, Freddie, is also a decent goalkeeper as well, impressing on loan at Swansea City from Newcastle. And a brief stint in charge of Whitehawk as well. And, and like you say, Matt, we thought they'd go down the academy route. But I was surprised when I saw that it was a man the same age as Neil Smith with a very little amount of actual management experience 
and yes, he's come from Arsenal where he's been there, but I, it just seems to me a, a surprise appointment. I mean, some of the names that, that we were banding around ourselves and chatting to other people in the game as well, he never came up and, and it did seem a little bit of a, a left field appointment, I suppose. Yeah, I think it, it probably is. Um, I think Mash, the Bromley fan, I know, I think he tweeted out a good point. He said, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be technically, you know, your managerial credentials don't need to be, but you need this to know this level. And Andy Woodman has known the lower league football. It would just be interesting to see. I, I didn't see it. I, the person I thought that might get it would be Sean Derry. Like I thought to you, um, Palace, under-18 coach, you know, lives in Kent. Perfect fit, been there around the club when I've seen him been up there. But Andy Woodman, one of my first things is do goalkeepers make good managers? And he's really a very good coach um, from that um, point of view. Coached at a lot of clubs. I think he's been following Alan Pardew around. So, yeah, you know, he's got great credentials in the game. Uh, And maybe now it's his time to become um, the number one to do a job there. So I was surprised, but. You know, probably want to play in the football, want to play in the football league, and maybe they think Andy Woodman's the man to take them there. I'm surprised, but and you look at it on the social media again, it's not a great benchmark, but I think it's gone down particularly well with some of the Bromley fans as well. No, I, I can kind of as I say I, I can kind of understand. It seems like a, a left foot point, but I'm sure that the, the chairman has, has done his due diligence and any. Obviously, has identified Andy Woodman as, as a man that he thought could take on the job, and his experience is—you know—he's been—he's followed Alan Pardew around the country. He's, he's been at Newcastle, he's been at Crystal Palace, he's been at West Ham, he's been at Arsenal. So maybe it is one of those situations where he is ready to step up into the big job. And and what position you played as, as when you were playing, I don't think makes any difference. And, and to be honest, I'm surprised there's not more goalkeepers who can manage because you see a lot of the game yeah. from being in goal. I think, yeah, I mean, there is obviously the uh, the perception that goalkeepers have um, unique personalities, shall we say. Mm-hmm. But you see the game so well. It's, it, you must be a good reader of the game. And, and he, he served his time as a, in the backroom benches. So ne- now he's got the chance to step up and it's... I don't think it's the worst situation to come into. You, you say normally when you take over a, a job, you're coming in because the previous manager's either been absolutely amazing and gone somewhere else and you've got to come in and keep up to that level, or they've been absolutely atrocious and you've got to come in and turn the team around. I don't think for Bromley, they're either of those. It's, it's quite nicely in the middle, if you think, because they, they've shown this season that they're in good shape. The, the, Chairman has obviously thought, well, Neil Smith's not the man to take us into the playoffs this season. Let's try someone else. Do you think there's a real pressure on Andy Woodman taking over with the team in mid-table now to get into the playoffs this season? I don't think there is. I think for him, this is a win-win situation. I think it's almost a case of even if they had a disappointing end to this season, he will get the chance in the summer to completely change things around. I'm guessing with his coaching experience, he will look to bring in a lot of young players from, from Premier League clubs and, and bits and pieces like that. I think it's a real opportunity for for him and for Bromley. And, you know, sometimes we look at things and and obviously, you know, love Neil Smith, gutted for him that it it hasn't worked out. But sometimes you look at things and think, well, do you know what? That's a bit off the wall. But who's to say that's not going to work? Yeah, I I think maybe one of the things Woodman's got in his favour is the contacts in the game. You know, he's best friends. He's written a book with the England manager. So the contacts he's got in the game are probably very good. And maybe Bromley are looking right to pick up you know, they've got the mix of experience and maybe get somebody from the 
the academy system who might from a Premier League club who want that thing up to so to to move on players. So yeah, I, I, again, I was shocked by the appointment. Um, uh, you know, I always you know been at Arsenal, but he's gone for it. Um, we're, we're wishing all the best, and we'll try and get him on the show, I suppose, in the next couple of weeks um, if we can. But uh, yeah, I think uh, a left field appointment, and, and again. As we knew with um, Dennis Katri, but absolutely, you know, you know, we've been well, we, we don't want to be seen as shocked with these managerial points, and we should people we think should get the jobs. But good luck to him if he gets probably in the playoffs. It's it's a good decision. But next season with the squad he's got, with the, you know the number of players signing contracts for next season, he's got a good base, and I'm sure he'll add to it. So yeah, again, I think probably fans got to get behind him. You know, the king is dead. Long live the king, as they say. Yeah, and I think you're right there. We we always talk about all the same old faces, and it's nice to see uh, someone a bit different. He starts his uh, probably managerial career at home to Wealdstone uh, on Friday, and then on Monday. Uh, Bromley are away to Stockport. That's a nice trip on a bank holiday. And to make it even better, it's a 5.30 kickoff. So I assume that game uh, is televised. I don't know what the National League were doing with these fixtures over the weekend, mate. But uh, obviously, they're not happening. But Dover were supposed to be playing Halifax and Chesterfield over a bank holiday weekend. Well, well you, you've answered your own question. I don't know what the National League were doing at this thing, John. So we don't want to go over that old ground. Yes, but crazy. Why would they be playing bank holiday game against Chesterfield? Surely they should be playing Bromley if they sort this out. And uh, Stockport should be playing Chesterfield, but that's by the by. So. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, good luck to Spudger, though. And I say, we were there that, as we're going over there we the trophy. Didn't he, sh- he shook everybody's hand, didn't he, in the press area? Yeah, it was heartbreaking. So, it was both heartbreaking and wonderful. Yeah, it, it, yeah, you will not find... I know he's been linked with the Woking job, hasn't he? Not the Woking job's up, but some of the Woking are going full-time. And maybe uh, they feel that Neil Smith is the man to take it on. But I'm sure there'll be a number of National League clubs um, sniffing around him as well. So um, we'll hope to see him back in the game. Might not be in a Kent dugout. But um, the thing is, though, if we did see him, John, he'd treat us like old friends, which is, you know, which is really nice because he is a top bloke. And if the nicest man in football takes over at Woking, you'll be the most conflicted oh, no. man in the National League. Oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, I'll change the subject a little bit. Did you see Delighted for Hereford? Did yes, and Hornchurch. Hornchurch. Did you see the winning penalty for Hornchurch against Notts County? I haven't. Chris Dixon, ex-Dartford, Gillingham. Yep. You will not find a pressure situation for all penalty to get them to at Wembley. I'll tell you what, I don't think I've seen a better penalty in a long time. It's on social media. I will look it up. Unbelievable penalty. Um, it is... The best thing about it as well, we'll change something here, is because, of course, um, there's no crowds in. You can hear leather on boots, so to speak. And you can hear him whack this ball. Um, unbelievable penalty. Unbelievable. Top, there's no top bins, mate. Top bins, it was. And, uh, yeah, that, so I, 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 I watched that on Twitter and I, get, and I gave a round of applause thinking, that is a hell of a penalty. I'm precious. Fair play to Hornchurch and Chris Dixon. Ex Dartford Chris Dixon as well. Bang goals in for Dartford as well this season. Oh, I've just seen the penalty. Now that is not bad at all. Well hit, <laughs> uh, Mr. Dixon. Very, yes. very uh, well played there, sir. Uh, yes, that is oof, that is quite something. Well done to him, and good luck to to them in the final. I mean, they did not Maidstone United out a couple of rounds ago, so uh, fair play to them. Uh, also Wednesday, the other side who played Hayes Lane 
became management managerless as well as Craywon has announced the resignation of Tony Russell and his assistant Joe Vines. That was followed by all of their successful playing squad announcing their time with the Wands was at an end as well. Uh, a statement suggested the frustration of two null and void seasons was behind the decision. But as you're about to hear, that's not quite the full picture. Uh, quite a long interview this, but Tony always speaks so well. So here he is, the now former Cray Wanderers manager, Tony Russell. I have to respect all parties. I have to respect all parties. I found myself in the, in the, in the middle of a situation that, you know, ultimately, you know, for the players, those are uh, some players that wanted to leave the football club because of it. Um, but, you know, I was listening to the club side of things and I was in the middle and had to make a decision. And ultimately, I spoke to Vianzi, my assistant, and we spoke to both parties and then we probably agreed slightly with the players and we felt it was only right that we, that we left with them. The ins and outs of that, we have to respect all parties and uh, that, that is what it is. I mean, ultimately, the, the facts of the matter are um, that I was having a tough time at Cray. I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't happy. I hadn't been happy for a little while. Um, things, was, things had changed um, and I, I found it hard to come to terms with that, having to let go of certain things that had been sort of promised to me and when I first come obviously to go to get me to come to VC, um to leave VCD that club I, you know I was, I was well respected there I got back to back promotion was in the league above you know they come in and in for me and I had hours and hours of talks with them and I said no and then they continued to come in and have hours and hours of talks and I said no and they sold me the dream and eventually they're not you know one of the owners knocked on my door out of the blue and come in my house and sold me the dream and said about, you know, the, the football club, it wasn't working, they were either getting relegated or fighting relegation and it needed the whole revamp. But I come in and change everything, you know, just from top to bottom. Every football decision is yours. You build it from the bottom up, you know, we'll back you, you know, da da da. And then it, my, I emotionally got connected to the football club and I just bought into it and I was, I was so excitable. But looking back, I have to hold my own, you know, my. Some of it's my fault as well. Coming to the football club and they just had a wage bill and a planning application and a sharing agreement with Bromley. You know, there was no, there was nothing there. The training facilities wasn't good enough. The way they trained wasn't good enough. The equipment wasn't good enough. There was no infrastructure to bring players through. There was nothing. And um, I wanted to change it all and I wanted to do it quickly as possible. And I pushed too hard. I definitely pushed too hard and I drove them mad. I know I did. You know, they're very successful people around Craig, good people. They are good people. There's nothing personal about it. They're good people and very successful what they do in their businesses. But, you know, now they've inherited this young, hungry manager who's ringing them every five minutes saying, that ain't good enough. We need to move this to training facility. This equipment ain't good enough. And I, you know, it's a bit of a running joke, but like, they used to call me diva. And looking, looking back now, you know, I can see it. I, I, I'm driving a mare, but the sad part of it is that out of all of it I, I was doing it with the best intention my intention was right that I, there was so much need fixing um, I was trying to do it I just, I just went about it the wrong way and I have to hold my hands up on that and I did drive them mad and I was talking I was like there was like you can only deal with this owner uh, uh, and I only dealt with him and I think I drove him mad and I was getting passed around like a, a joint uh, student house party at one stage you know like you deal with this guy you deal with this guy uh, but eventually, you know, eventually, you know, the youth section got got set up and the training facility got changed. Even the mindset of the club, it's weird because I play for Crow Wanderers and um, 
under the old manager Ian Jenkins, it was just drummed into us like you fear no one, like we're Cray Wanderers, like we just we, we back ourselves against anyone. And I remember just not long before I um, took over, I, was, I didn't know they were coming in for me. I just went to watch a game. They were playing Averley at home. And uh, Justin Gardner's Averley. Averley and I, just, it was freezing cold. And I had my hat on and my, and my coat zipped up. So no one really had seen me. And I sat at the back and then two of the old supporters sat in front. I remember him saying, oh, hopefully we can get a draw here. And I remember thinking, no, you're pretty wanderers at home. You don't think you're going to hope to get a draw. So I've, I've got in there a big mindset of changing the whole mindset between a losing one and a winning one. And I just went probably too hard. But what I will say is the back of that, you know, we within the, within four years, we'd gone from a team that's just celebrating, surviving. You know, when I got there, I was celebrating, surviving relegation from the Roman North. Within four years, we'd been in the playoffs twice. We'd won the league. We'd had 300, 290 appearances from youth team players. And when we won the league, there was an, there was an image of the, the boy had lifting the, the, the South Championship Cup in one hand, and he won Golden Boot as well. And he's from our youth team, Freddie Parker. And that's what we achieved in that such short space of time. We turned around a club that was used to losing and accepting it. The fans were just accepting it. To producing our own players, so many appearances, playing good football, having a really good reputation, the most goals they've ever scored, most points they've scored at the Ishman level, winning the title for the first time at Ishman level. And it was the, but the problem, the problem within that, the damage I've done to get to there was unrepairable. And I, I remember doing an interview about a year or so ago of one of my friends, Joe Ford, who unfortunately lost his leg and he was trying to get himself back in and he wanted to do a podcast. So I just yeah, reached out and I said, I remember saying it to him, saying I, I didn't think my long-term future was at Crow because of the damage that had been done to get to the point of where we was at. Um, and then, if it's, and I just got froze out, you know, I just personal relationship was fine, but I wasn't there. And then they brought a new guy in CEO, I can only report to him, so I wasn't allowed to talk to the owners. And then the, the youth section sort of got taken off me, and then the decisions of the teams they were bringing in and, and the way they were going about it was completely different to how I would do it. And it's, it was really, it really frustrating me and upsetting me. And the, the, it's like now, if I went into Crane now as a manager with no connection, no emotional connection of doing that, or when that was already done, and I was just a first team manager, it'd have been fine. Mm-hmm. Because I was so emotionally invested in it, and I've been promised the world and his wife. You know, when we get to the ground, you're going to go to the academy. You're going to set it all up. You can do all that. But they, they spoke to me about what wages if you have to do the academy and what it looked like. We've gone that deep in, and then now, you know, I'm, I'm there and I'm getting phone calls from other other clubs that are. Um, I remember like, we, we had a problem with um, Bromley because they were coming for one of our players and we spoke to Bromley saying like come on mate you could at least ring us and they're like yeah you're tapping up our youth academy manager to be your academy manager so it was just thinking and it was all getting back to me and it, it was just like it was about three or four times it happened and even this guy like, a youth team guy like, for the kids teams he was like yeah I've been asked to do your academy it, it, it just got it just started to get I felt so disconnected with the club I, I just wasn't really speaking to anyone nothing was ever getting run past me um, and I kept, I'd, I'd, but the problem is, whenever I'd see the owners, it would be in an official capacity. It would be for meetings, and that would be every probably four months or whatever. And then I'd go there, and then 
the only time I remember doing it is moaning because this ain't good enough. Why are we doing this? Why are we changing that? That so it ended up becoming this noise of just moaningness. And and I even even my my partner and my dad right in the end were like, Tony, this is you know yourself like you know if you speak to the chairman of ECB and say what's Tony like as a person, they'd be like, oh, he's alive, why he's in the bar, he's laughing, joking, he's mucking about with everyone. You know, the last two years, I, I, I don't stay. I literally, I'm, I'm literally in my car, I'm virtually running over fans as I'm going out the ground because they're in the way. I'm literally game finishes, talk to the players in my car, home. That's mm. all I do. I've done that for the last two years, and I got in a bit of a funk where I was happy with the on-field in our dressing room in our little bubble. We were winning games, we were successful. You know, we, we came to keep moving it forward, but anything outside of that become a negative, and um, it was, it was just. I was struggling a bit, and I didn't, and I didn't want to leave because I'd worked so hard. And also, Cray's a fantastic football club. No one's doing. There ain't many people doing what they what they do in terms of what they're trying to do. So I knew to give that up, that was going to be a lot because it was on my doorstep. Really ambitious. Um, I'd had some great times personally with the owners as well, like social events, and that's good people. But there was something missing, and it, I, I just, I, I, I just hoped. Um, I just hoped that we could get it back, but I knew deep down it, that wasn't going to happen. And I clung on and clung on. And then, um, yeah, unfortunately, um, something happened at the club which, which didn't go down well. And now I find myself, you know, I've got, it's funny, I've got a whole group of players, a management team, and we've got nothing. Like, we've got no club to go to. You know, it's funny because, like, I spoke to Joe Taylor today and he found me that he's a so many clubs ringing him, so are the rest of the boys. And they're all saying, look, we ain't going nowhere, we're going to wait, we're going to wait six to eight weeks, we're waiting for you to get saying, and we'll come with you. It was so close, we're so close as a group. Um, it's it's an unfortunate, I just don't think there's no winner. There is no winner. I don't think, I'm for, you know, it's, Cray's not one here. Well, they might do, I mean, listen, I'm sure it's a real popular job now. It's a, you know, now it's a, it's a lot more appealing when I turned up, I've left it in a lot better state than I was when I turned up. But I, just, I honestly don't think because me and Joe Vines play for Cray Wanderers, like we care about like, Cray, Cray Wanderers is our club. Like we care about Cray Wanderers. We're gutted that this is not worked out. When we handed that shirt out, we made sure it meant something. You know, it wasn't just another club. You know, the owners can, you know, anyone can say what they want about me or the other players but one thing they could never say is um, at any game they've ever watched for Cray Wonder they've never given up or they've never not tried they know even if we lose we give everything we got we made sure that club meant that much so regardless of what the manager's got available to him going forward as I've you know as I've been told on my exit meeting and or whatever and how big the club's going to be it's going to be hard for them to find that find two people that it means that much to them and to drive that through the club um as i say i don't i don't take no pleasure um leaving the club there's not one bit of me that that's that feels good about it but i also understood deep down that ultimately it probably needed if it didn't happen now it would have happened another time the reason why all the players left and etc that's got nothing to do with the reason that's got nothing to do with me leaving the football club that's a separate issue that's that's something um, that, that's different, um, but it's, it's just sad that it's resulted in that because it's been a, it's been an unbelievable six seven years of my life. You know, to, 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 I put so much work into it to, to to sit and watch it all 
the players leaving and I took no pleasure in that. And I, I didn't ask the players to leave. I, I just, we had a Zoom call, but I, I just wanted to explain to them what was upsetting me about the club and why I felt that maybe it's time for me to go. And one by one, I just see the thing coming up on Twitter about they were leaving. And it's, I took no pleasure. There's no pleasure in that whatsoever. It's sad. It is sad because we're such a tight group. And then these boys really did care about the club. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, that's where we're at. I was going. I mean, obviously, you, you, you've said a lot there, but what a ride it's been! The, the last. I mean, we've been doing this podcast. This is our fourth season, and we we unanimously say you've been the best team, the team to watch over the past four years. It's been it's been brilliant on the pitch, hasn't it? It's been you, you've put together one hell of a team. Yeah, it's just the mindset of the club, like very similar to, to if I've taken anything from the previous manager when I played for Cray. That was the one thing I wanted to do, though. We fear no one. We don't fear anyone. We've never set, set up just to put 11 men behind the ball and hope to win. We go front foot. And we've just driven that, that. And we play good football. You know, we play good attacking football. We coach. And that's the last time I met. Like, you, we will, you know, we, we will challenge anyone to a game of football and we're coming at you. Like, we're front foot and we're coming at you. And it's for, for a fan, I'm sure it'd be brilliant to watch, you know, the amount of, late goals, 90th minute goals, you've got the comebacks, you know, the success, the winning, you know, producing your own players. It's all about producing your own players, but to do that and still be winning. I mean, as a fan, you've imagine being a fan. I always think if I'm a fan or, or, or an owner and I've got a team in front of me that give everything they've got, they've got local kids coming through that they're giving them opportunity to, they play really good football and they're attacking. They're the things that you want to see as a fan and an owner. And that's what we've given them. And listen, when the dust settles, um, hopefully, you know, we can all be, we'd all be friends and look back and, and look back at the time at the club and, and appreciate it. And I'm sure we will, you know, there's no, I ain't got, as I said, there's nothing personal. I ain't got no bad blood towards anyone. I'm just, I'm just gutted. Even though I've left and it was my decision, doesn't make it easy and doesn't mean I'm not gutted about it I am and I'm devastated that I've had to give all that up and and also the way it went hence why I wanted to you know it's important that I own my side of that you know there's stuff that I've done that I haven't covered myself in glory and I have to I have to own that as well and looking back now if I could change it I would but what, I, what I've always said is yes I did I was a bit of a pain in the backside in the first few years I was there but I was doing it on the right intent. My intentions were right. Just the way I went about it wasn't wasn't probably the best way of going about it. So, so I guess you're going to have a, a few weeks to sort of have a, have a break and have a think. But I'm I'm guessing your phone's probably been ringing a little bit already, has it? Yeah, I mean, I've never been out of work. I've I've just sort of I was at Eriff and then a club coming from me and I've used to be at a club. Come. So I, I really don't know what to do. I, I, I'm a bit of a loose end I, I, in terms of I don't know how this all works now at this point. Um, if if I'm honest, you know, football's football. You know, I'm very blessed. I've got a, I've got a great family. You know, I've got three boys and missus. We get on very well. I'm happy enough, mate. I feel what I am feeling the pressure on is is that I've got a group of 16 players, assistant manager, a coach, and a physio looking at me going, where are we going next? Come and tell me, you want to get something? Can we get something? They all want to come. They all mailing me every day. Have you got anything? Have you... And I feel that little bit of pressure that I, I feel like I'm letting them down because I haven't really got anything. There's, 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 there's been one club that um, are interested in meeting up. There's another one that 
guy following me, he's, I think he's looking to take over a club and he said if he takes it over then would I be interested. But like I say, they just don't I just I just don't know in football. I'm I'm the biggest You don't want to rush it, do you? That's the thing. You don't want to rush your decision no, and go to the wrong job. I, I don't want to rush it, but then I also know I've got this listen, you, you with the greatest respect, like, honestly hand on heart, that squad there gets promoted out of step three, what we've got. They're so well drilled that that if that COVID ain't come, we're out of it. We're in the National League right now. Now, I've got a whole squad of players that are, are, are literally, we're in a players group and I've got the coach and the, and the assistant manager and everyone ready to go home wherever you go, we're going now. So I'm looking at it like, okay, yeah, you're right. I don't want to rush into everything, but I don't, also don't want to miss that opportunity of having this unbelievable group of people because they're unbelievable people as well. They're not just like unbelievable players, they're unbelievable people. I mean, they're getting offered... Even last year, they were getting offered so much more money, but it's not about that from them. They just, and most of them boys are, are ways and straight from before, and they've had loads of clubs and they've been messed about and they've got false promises. And, you know, I just don't do that. I'm very honest with them. So I feel the pressure a little bit that I've got these people looking at me and saying, what are we doing, son? Even like I've got like a, you know, the youth, there's a, there's a, there's a youth team that I, my boy plays for, but I've coached them since they were kids, and they're unbelievable. There's boys in there that are playing the first team, and they're like going to be under 16, and they're like, Tony, are we going to go to another club? Are we staying? So I do feel a little bit like everyone's sort of on me to, to make something happen. Um, I don't know. Like I say, I've not had anyone ring me. Like, listen, it's been a couple of days. I mean, I don't want to go too deep into it, but I've not had anyone ringing me going to me. I just, do you know what I want? I want somewhere where that there's, there's a plan in place, that there's an ambition that you want to do something, say, Tony, this is what we want to do, this is what we want to get to. And then just trust me, don't promise me nothing you can't deliver. That's what I will say. That's the only thing that's, that's upset me the most is I left a really good football club in VCD because I got sold a dream of something that was going to be, and it never was. And then it, they took it off me without even having the decency to ever sit down and explain it to me. There was things on the table that was that was taken off from me that no one even had the decency to sit and say, this is why we're doing it and this is what we're going to do going forward and this is the plan. It just blanked me and it just took it off. And I just felt a little bit disrespected like that. I just thought I deserved a little bit more respect than maybe what I've got. Um, and I felt like, I know, I, I, when I first got there, I was the best thing since last but they couldn't do enough for me. And they were ringing me and I used to have banter with them and go socially and you almost feel like a toy that's gone out of date towards the end of the last few years I was just I was just a noise I was just a noise it just like I say <laughs> you know it's it's unfortunate and it's it's sad you feel like like I said I described it like I felt like I was in a box and it had a glass lid on it and I'm shouting that, that no one can listen no one's listening we've, we've made we've had 300 appearances in a certain way that I've set up the youth section. Invited, invite only, go and find them players that suit and the managers that suit. And then we've just invited everyone in. And now we've got, you know, 18s. This time last year, I sat in the meeting and said, listen, the 18s ain't good enough. They're the closest thing to the first team. They're the patterns of play we need. We need to do better in that. And I had the same conversation about two weeks ago. There's four, there's three under 18s and none of them are good enough. And we're not, we're not understanding. We're trying to feed a step three side. Here. The thinking behind it is not there. And I'm trying to explain to them. Listen, I, I, I think I understand how to produce players. I've just literally the, the seventy of them come through. I've three hundred appearances. I know what how to do it. You just need to trust me. But 
that relationship wasn't there, the trust wasn't there, and the, they wasn't prepared to listen. Which is fair enough. It's their football club. Listen, I'm just a, I'm just a manager. You know, the managers come and go, but I want it to be more than just a a first team manager. And I believe that if you look at the the progression, it wasn't like there was a massive influx of an investment. It, it was working with the same as before. And, we, and the, f- the first season, you know, the season before I turned up, they just they they done remarkably well to survive, winning the last ten games to survive from a relegation from the one north the very next year. They got the most points in their Ishman history and lost in the playoffs to Harlow. That was in one season. Changed the whole team. Hmm. Change the whole philosophy of the, the, the football club, how they play, how they approach games. And even Mark Hunt, the guy who does the program, that's I told him that this my very first interview, I'm changing the mindset now. Don't ever come to one of our games where I'm in charge and, and hope to draw because you're in the wrong club now. We, if we don't win, you'd be disappointed because we will all be disappointed and we won't. And we have to change the mindset. And we just won. And we just kept winning. And we just kept winning. Just driving that message. We win. We fear no one. We win. We fear no one. We win. If we don't win, we work hard up. We go and win a game. And just be ruthless. And that's what we've done. We just changed the whole mindset. And that's why I'm, it's, it's upsetting that towards the end, you know, you just feel... And I kept saying in meetings, I feel disconnected. I feel disconnected from the club. I feel disrespected. There's other stuff I could go into... But I'm not, I'm not, I don't really want to air too much longer, but there was stuff going on that just wasn't right. It was disrespectful to me. And I said that to him. But I just ultimately didn't listen. And even when I phoned up, I phoned up right at the last straw. It was, it was done, you know, I was 99% sure done. I phoned one of the owners first to say that I'll be leaving. And there was an issue behind it. And I... He almost hoped that he steps in and deals with the issue, but he didn't know about it. When I started to explain, he just stopped me halfway through and went, oh, look, you're not being happy. I know that. So maybe it's best for both parties if we leave. And I was like, okay, that's it. That's it then, mate. So I just said, thank you for everything. Thanks for everything. Because I did, I get on well with them. Well, I did get on well with them personally. Just phoned around all, the, all of them. And um, I mean, the chairman's been good. Gary, Ormond, he phoned me and had a really good chat. Thanks for everything. He apologised. He's apologised for what's gone on. Um, recently, and then he phoned my assistant and done a really good conversation. And then he phoned yesterday, I think he phoned Joe Taylor and Freddie Parker. They said that the chairman had phoned to apologise for what happened, and I appreciate that. You know, that's ultimately all you want. You just want, but like I say, like I say, there's no, there's no good to come out of this, and it's, it's sad and it's I'm disappointed. I'm really, I'm really disappointed. Normally, when a manager leaves. You feel that you've won in this you're on, on your on your terms, but this doesn't feel like that. It feels like unfortunately it was saying I had to do rather than saying I wanted to do and now what happens from now on I have no idea. I'm out of my comfort zone because I have never been in this situation. I don't know how it works. So I'm just just, just that's a problem. Normally if all the players ask me stuff they do. Or, you know, my assistant or the coach will ask me and I've always got an answer for how we're gonna do it or what we're gonna do, but obviously now I don't know. I had no idea. They're asking, what do you think? I've had this club bringing me, offering me X amount. What's going to happen? I said, I don't know. So I keep saying to everyone, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what's going on. I'm as confused as everyone else. So I don't know. Listen, I'll give it my all. I'll give it my best. I can look everyone in the eye at Cray Wonders and said, I'll give them everything I've got. Could I have done it a little bit differently, a little bit better? 100% yes. But my intentions are always for the best of that football club. I'll give everything I could. 
I turned up, they were celebrating relegation, uh, avoiding relegation from the Ryman North. I left them. They were disappointed they wasn't in the National League. That's how far we've come. And that's the, probably the best way to describe it. Well, the news came as a surprise to us, Matt. But listening to him there, Matt, it may not have been as much of a surprise to those close to him. Uh, what you have to say is even despite not being as happy as he might have been over the past couple of years, that man has still got his team playing absolutely phenomenally. Oh, what an intense interview that was, John. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it was a surprise. Um, and I think the way, you know, he's not enjoying his football and, he was pretty self-critical of himself there, wasn't he? When you say, um, you know, I was, you know, annoying people and things like that. But well, and also, you know, saying I've done, I've done things wrong. I hold my hands up. I was trying to do too much. And also, that was quite telling when he said about the playoffs uh, when they lost to Walton Casuals, and I was at that game. Uh, that was the end of our first season doing this show, and I went up to that game. And he said it was I, I made all the wrong substitutions. I, I didn't think it was anything like that on the, at the time. And he's obviously someone who really, really deeply analyses everything. And and yeah, it was an intense chat, but really fascinating conversation with him there. And you know, he, he he doesn't hide away from things. And I, I can see why people want to play for him because you know even though he may have said himself he, he feels like he's lost a bit of his spark, he still motivated that team. And and what a team they are. Uh, yeah. You know, very, very good football inside. Um, got players playing for him. I think it probably shows that when the majority of the squad are moving away, of leaving with him, and they say, we'll turn up where I turn up. So I think that's a good sign of a manager. Um, clearly, I think he's somebody you'd, you'd get the whole package with as well, who, who would manage from the top down, isn't it? In everything. Mm-hmm. He wants perfection for everything. And I uh, I don't think that's a bad thing in this day and age as well, that you, you're the man and you gain the respect of all your playing squad and try and achieve things for them going going forward, make them better people, make them better players and make them go further in the game. So, yeah, a really intense interview that was, John. You, know, you can feel the passion coming out from him from that. And, and he's he said he hasn't got going something to go through. Do you think he's got something lined up? If, Well, as you've heard me ask him there, I said to him, you know, I'm sure the phone's been ringing. And he said, well, he said, not massively. And I think the current situation with with everyone being as they are does make that difficult. And I guess it's one of those as well. When he's basically saying, as he said there, I've got a playing squad saying to me, where are we going, Gaffer? That's a difficult thing for a club to to do because you don't know what situations other managers are in, other teams, you know, they're... I'm sure there would be teams probably at the level above, not necessarily just at, at Isthmian League level thinking, yeah, we'd love that. But then when you drill down into it and it's the whole package is coming, your team and all that, that is a difficult scenario for, for a club to take on. I, I don't know if, yeah, he might have been playing the game there and, and he might have something lined up. But I think he, he says there he's feeling a bit of pressure from people saying to him, you know, where are we going to go? And, and he says, although he doesn't want to rush into it, he would like to get something sorted out. But I, I, I don't know. But I think someone is going to, if they take a punt, someone's going to end up very, very lucky because Craig Wanderers over the past three years have played excellent football. They've got results. They keep building and building and building a squad. You saw several of their players going up to the level above when the Isthmian League was paused. And it just shows 
the the class that Tony Russell can bring to to your club, and and if someone is prepared to give him the whole package, then there's no reason why. And as he said there, when I took over at Cray Wanderers, they were celebrating not being relegated from the Isthmian League North. Now they're disappointed they're not in the National League South. And that speaks volumes for the, for the work he's done. And if someone is going to take a punt on him, I'm sure it will work out because he's been successful everywhere he's been. And there definitely is an opportunity for someone, be it in Kent or outside the county, to get hold of a good manager, a good playing squad and really go places. Yeah, I suppose the interesting thing is if he's not working by August, these players have got to go and find a club. Then it may be... November, he gets a job. Players go from there. So, interesting times ahead. Again, will we sort of, when, when there's contracts coming to the end, will we see clubs getting rid of managers? I think there's a few. I think Hugo Langton left Lewis. I think it was yes. as well on the same day. So, will clubs look at this? They've had a, I don't know, they haven't played for a while. Will they have a look at their managerial structures, their playing structures, and think, right, we've got a good time here to work it out where we want to go. So, a lot of clubs may be looking at their business plan and their footballing plan and thinking right let's change it around where we've got a chance here over a certain amount of time to try and overhaul it maybe so maybe there will be quite a few jobs available come about june this time when clubs have uh, sorted themselves out about what they're going to do next season yeah and, and good luck to tony wherever he ends up and, and thank you again to him for speaking to me earlier on today uh fascinating chat as as always with tony russell and uh, and uh, as i say he's done a great job at cray wanderers he should be very 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 proud of the team he has created there and what he's done to that club and of course the other conundrum from that is where do cray wanderers go now obviously you've heard there's some there's there's been some some issues between uh, people at the top not the chairman but people in and around and Tony Russell. And, and there's likewise an opportunity for someone to come in there who doesn't want to do the whole uh, take, look at, look at the youth team and anything like that and wants to just come in and have a decent squad of players. There's an opportunity for someone to come in at Cray Warner's complete blank canvas, a club that's in the Isthmian League Premier Division. That, that also is an opportunity. And, and I wonder what direction they will go in. You wonder they any news when their ground will be coming up? So I think that's on the back burner. That's that. That's yeah. part. I think that reading between the lines, I think that was part of the issues that Tony's kind of mentioned right. there as well. You know, they promised him this stadium was coming, and when I spoke to him in January, I don't think a spade's gone in the ground yet. So that is obviously difficult, and they made such a big thing about that. Yeah. But there are obviously problems with that. But you still got the opportunity. There is still an opportunity, and and it's Cray Wanderers that lovely club and I'm sure they'll, they will make an appointment soon and, and we may be impressed by it so we will look forward to seeing how that pans out for, for both yeah, parties there's, there there's a lot of good people in Kent who haven't got jobs or who look at that job and, and go from there yeah I, I'm expecting a lot of movement John when we if we ever end this pod for the for summer break when we come back in July I expect a lot of movements going around I'm thinking blimey he's gone there managers have gone there yeah interesting again I think a lot of clubs as I said before We'll look at their model now and maybe look at changing stuff around. As I said last week, I think as well, there'll be some... Uh cloth cutting going on as well uh the scaffold have announced there won't be a cup tournament obviously people could now re- resume training today but with supporters not being allowed in uh the the scaffold have said that there's no that, that there's no work there's no point in uh, in doing a, a cup competition and we kind of said a couple of weeks ago we we feared it was going to be a non-starter and, and and so it's proven so for our scaffold teams like everybody else it is now all focus on august and and i've kind of said a couple of times you know I think that we'll see some early returns to training. I think people will be in and around it sort of June time. 
and uh, and and trying to make things happen. But obviously, the the difficulty you've got on top of that, and I've spoken to a couple of people in clubs about this, is people need to have a break at some point. And you, you know what? How people are. A lot of people seem to be involved in teaching and things like that at some point these people have got to have a break because you can't just go straight from what's been a stressful year at work in straight into the new season and and you know this cup competition not happening does give a little bit of leeway uh for that as well but the scaffold we we kind of know where it's going to go next season as well i think there's going to be teams at the top fighting for it probably the the, the similar sort of ones that we've seen before unless of course all these managerial changes have a knock-on effect down there yeah exactly you the, the, the... You say that side picking a manager up to there could affect a lot of clubs. So interesting times. And we still got one more game though, John, haven't we? Hopefully more than one game. We do. Yeah. Try and get deal on Steve. I've um, hopefully I'm going to go to the game on the tenth, and we'll try and get Steve King on next week to sort of preview that as well. And interesting times on that because they're allowed to go back training today. I don't know if they have done, but um, I expect they will go tomorrow, don't you? Probably just get back into the routine of Tuesday. Bang, let's go again. Yeah. But it's safe for both sides, but we'll talk about that next week. Absolutely. Uh, we will. Ramsgate uh, continues to do their work, bringing more uh, local clubs under the Ramsgate FC umbrella in their youth system, uh, which is a, a great thing to do. And really harnessing that 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 feel-good spirit in the community, I suppose, is, is the way to say it. And, and Ramsgate Football Club are, are almost as well known as the Broadstairs Bimbos are going to be, aren't they? Yeah, great job there from there. And uh, my mate Pete Goff, he's, he's heavily involved in the... Uh, system as well so um yeah really good really pleased for them yeah uh right well that's pretty much it for the uh for the football chat obviously uh we were doing this on monday night this week uh matt gerard told me under under no terms were we to finish this podcast uh after nine o'clock because of unforgotten and you can rest assured we will both be watching that uh very very shortly won't we oh, yeah looking forward to the end of that really good after the shocking climax i've managed to start watching uh, line of duty as well so um did you watch that last night? I did, yes. It's been a, a bit of a slow burner so far, this series, but it's it's enjoyable and it's it's just so intense. It's like an hour or so. And I had a day yesterday. I, I ended up starting work at about one o'clock yesterday and I, I was supposed to start at two. I did four games and I was just like absolutely zonked, but it still kept me captivated for an hour. Did you did you work even on the 21s, did you? I haven't done England yet. I've got them yeah, on Wednesday. They've not been very good, so... Um, you did say to me last week to find some players who. Oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Big fan of the two left-sided players for Spain, uh, left back Miranda, uh, not the uh, comedian, uh, and uh, the left winger, the captain Cucurella, both very very handy players. And I also really like the Slovenia goalkeeper. He's a very uh, useful player. Uh, Vekic, I believe his name is. But he. Uh, clubs all should be sniffing round him, would they? Probably not, but he certainly knows how to make a save. But he's never kept a clean sheet, so he obviously uh, works from is worked hard uh, for Slovenia under twenty ones. But yeah, I've been impressed by him. Uh, did Croatia yesterday? Uh, they've got some good players as well. Um, so yeah, so there's certainly some some good players knocking about the uh, knocking about the place. So yeah, it's been it's been quite good fun actually. I've got one more under twenty one game to go, which is on Wednesday night. Uh, when I'm doing Croatia against England, uh, crucial game for England, and I've got some other qualifiers in there as well. Uh, the Republic of Ireland, I know, losing to Luxembourg, having watched lots of Republic of Ireland games uh, over the past two and a bit years, I'm not shocked by that result. Lovely they are by the Luxembourg, right? Yeah, they're a hard watch. 
the Republic of Ireland. They're a hard, hard watch. Again, it's on tonight as well, the um, Finding Jack Charlton documentary. So, yeah, it's um, got that taped as well, yeah, so I'll, I'll be watching, watching that. that and, uh, even my wife saw that. Oh, I'd like to watch that. A bit about dimensions, no match about football, but he seemed, he seemed, a, he seemed a nice man, so <laughs> to watching that as well. So, yeah, apart from that is... Um, yeah, four day week as I mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, and next week as well. Yeah, so um, and might be watching a game of football next a week Saturday as well, which is great. Yeah. So uh, of course you know who the, the losers are in this uh, in this whole Dover situation, don't you? Who's that? Uh, Mrs. Gerard and the two girls who, yeah, rather than packing true. you off somewhere on bank holidays, have had to are going to have to put up with you for for a, a full four day or over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. So, but the thing is, uh, as my phone still has. Or it still pings up with when there's gold alerts in the National League. Should I just sort of let it go and just pause that so I don't actually know the scores anymore? Because I'm still thinking we can still get out of this. So <laughs> we look pretty sad because when I on the league table it gave up zero 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 zero, and my youngest said, "Why have Dover got zero points?" So and I had to explain it to her as well. So. Yeah. Well, to, to, to be fair, yeah, you say that sad times, but next year you'll be celebrating when you're on zero points. Yeah, I was to be honest. I was having a chat with somebody, and uh, maybe we'll discuss this. But how many after ten games? If you've got, zero, I, I need one thing. I need to find now is all these teams who've had points deducted, twelve points. Mm. Have any of them survived? Not in football league and lower leagues. Well, I remember that there was that funny old season in two thousand and eight nine when three teams in uh, League Two all started with hefty. Uh, deductions, didn't they? Uh, it was Luton with their 30, Bournemouth, uh, Bournemouth with mine, and I, th- I want to say it was Rotherham as well, uh, who also started with a hefty points deduction. I may be wrong there. Um, Luton didn't get out of it, Bournemouth did. Yeah, like- Darling, right, so that season, four teams had points deducted. Luton had 30 deducted uh, and finished with 26 points, bottom of the table, relegated. Bournemouth were, and Rotherham were both deducted 17 points. Uh, Bournemouth managed to accrue a total of 63, earning them 46. They actually stayed up by nine points uh, in the end, despite their deduction. Uh, Rotherham actually finished 14th uh, with 58 points, despite having 17 deducted. They would have finished uh, fifth had they not had their points deducted. Uh, above Gillingham, who won the playoffs, they would have played Gillingham in the playoffs, in fact, in the uh in the semi-final uh, and Darlington were also deducted 10 points. They would have also finished in the playoffs had they not had their 10 points deducted. So uh, it can be done, mate, but I know hearts were relegated when they had their 12 point deduction. Uh, but I did a game on football manager that year where I took over his heart. So I kept him up and then won the league within four seasons. So it can be done, mate. It can be done. You just need to get me in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it will be exciting because yeah, well, it will be, well, hopefully we're going to still be, it will be, it's something to, Hang your hat on, I suppose, isn't it? Right. Because when you get, when you, you say, when you get to zero points, there'll be a party, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas this this year, when you got to zero points, you got 40 grand fine for it as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But again, as I say, in a week, John, we, we, we haven't talked about much football in months. It's never dull in Kent, is it? 
It really, really isn't. And I hope everybody's enjoyed this week's show. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We are on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. We're on Facebook as well. Search for the Kent Nonny Podcast. You can find Matt on Twitter at Matthew underscore Gerard. I am at John Phipps 81 uh, on Twitter as well. Do feel free to get in touch uh, with any feedback or anything you want to talk about. Lots of um, nice things actually said about last week's show. Someone saying it's one of the be- best podcasts around. Uh, and Colin Head, um, a Bromley fan, said we were absolutely spot on about the Bromley situation. And that was just before uh, the news about Neil Smith uh, was announced as well. Uh, Nigel Jones as well, who's a, a, a recent listener of the podcaster from Radio Wings, the, the Welling United radio station. Uh, he's just launched his own Welling United podcast. Uh, it's called Radio Wings Welling United podcast. It's on Spotify and iTunes. He said he'd love it if we would give him a mention. So uh, Nigel, we've done it for you uh, and I hope your podcast goes very, very well. And uh, I'm sure if you ever needed any Idiots to talk about stuff that's not to do with football. Uh, We are both available uh, pretty much all of the time at the moment. Anyway, as I say, thank you for listening. Thank you so much to Jim Palmer and Tony Russell uh, for their time. Thank you to Matt Gerrard. Go and enjoy Unforgotten, mate. And uh, I will speak to you and I'll speak to everybody else next week on the Kent Only podcast. Absolute pleasure, mate. And first, final word, Smudger, you'll be missed. Thanks for everything in the pod.